At a time when educating girls was seen as controversial, Brisbane Girls Grammar School opened its doors to provide young women in Queensland the same opportunities as their brothers. 145 years on, Girls Grammar strives to enrich lives through learning. Join us as we explore topics that are current and relevant to students, families and teachers in Illumin. Welcome to Illumin, a space for considered thought, enlightening conversation and possibly even some friendly debate about a whole range of interesting topics in education. I'm Jacinda Isla, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and most importantly today, your host. Today we'll be discussing critical thinking in the English classroom and a little about its importance in education more broadly. Our day-to-day -day lives are media-saturated. Content can be published by anyone, anywhere, at any time, and disseminated globally in minutes. Being able to discern meaning and truth from agenda and biases is believed by many to be an essential skill for our young people today. Educators worldwide agree that critical thinking needs to be incorporated into classroom learning, without, of course, losing that passionate interest in our subjects. But how do we do this while facing increased pressure to measure and report on more tangible learning outcomes? At Girls Grammar, we wholeheartedly believe that critical thinking is very teachable and also noticeable in our classrooms. Today I'm speaking with Jo Genders, our Director of English, about some of the ways she and her staff develop that passionate interest in their subject, but also a healthy, although hopefully not too cynical, criticality in their classrooms. Jo is an educator with particular experience in curriculum and syllabus development. Before joining Girls Grammar, she worked as manager for English subjects at the Queensland Curriculum and Assessment Authority. As a result, she has an extensive knowledge of how to structure teaching frameworks that support deep learning. Welcome, Jo. Thank you, Jacinda. Jo, you recently published an article on the school's website about critical thinking. It's centred on Descartes' assertion, I think, therefore I am. I love some of the points you make in that article and we're looking forward to discussing this with you in more detail very soon. You are undeniably a literary buff. Tell me about your love of literature. What is it about reading and critiquing texts that you really enjoy? I think reading was the first thing I learned as a child, probably after speaking, but I've always loved reading. I've loved texts. I've loved words. And in a way, I guess reading's like travelling for free. It opens up worlds and times and places. And getting lost in other people's minds too is really nice. It can be really refreshing. And um, you'll never be bored if you love to read. Sometimes scary. Sometimes scary. <laughs> it's one thing, of course, to really love reading, but it's quite another to want to transfer that passion for literary exploration to others. When did you know that you wanted to be an English teacher? I knew I wanted to be a teacher from the minute I could talk. Um, I've always loved words, I've loved ideas and stepping into the primary school in North Queensland when I was just a little person, just in fact I wanted to be the teacher. <laughs> so it, it, it never changed. But one of the, probably my, my most influential person was I had a great aunt who was a mercy nun and she was an English teacher and she was elderly even when I was a child and I thought, wow, this woman knows so much. She loves words, she loves books and she loves sitting at her feet and, and talking about it. So that passion was probably sparked from, from her. Yes, I think a lot of teachers knew very young that they wanted to be a teacher. Indeed. They're lining up their siblings in pretend classrooms. 
So, Joe, you talk about your Year 12 students reading Jane Eyre in your written piece. It's a classic of the canon. But you also talk about the power of reading texts in dialogue with our current contemporary world. Why do you think this novel is still relevant to us today? It's a funny one because it's it's coming on 200 years now, Jane um, Eyre, but I think it's endured because it does speak to us today. So little Jane, she's orphaned, she's unloved, but she realises that life will present many challenges for her and particularly because she's a girl. But Jane is so committed to changing things. She uses her voice to challenge injustice, to stand up against things that are wrong, and she makes decisions that are right for her. And as a result, she's confident, she's independent, she's individual. And we're so impressed by that, given the barriers that she's had to endure in order to to triumph. Um, They're qualities that we hope to cultivate in our girls here. So when we read Jane, we're reading about us. We're reading about girls who are passionate and committed and and want to change the world. So... um, For us, that's the value in reading something like Jane Eyre. So we might not understand the world in which she lives, but we understand her concerns and and they speak to us today. She is such an impressive, noble character. And and I spoke to um, some of our students, Fiona and Martina, to um, get their impression, I suppose, and ask them a little bit about what they had learned from studying Jane Eyre. Mm. So it might be nice to listen to them for a few minutes. To be honest, when I started reading Jane Eyre, it seemed a bit tedious, but the actual learning after reading, when you've kind of gone into the deeper thinking, that was really interesting. Talking about female agency, which I think is so relevant still today, and I guess um, comparing the challenges that Jane faced and her achievements in that novel with um, modern day events, that was particularly interesting for me. So you touch on something that's interesting to me. The tedious bit suggests it's the hard bit. There's a bit of perseverance and persistence to get to. Do you think that's incredibly important actually um, to to develop um, a deep understanding of anything? Do you think that's true in all of your subjects or just in English? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that's super important in all studies because I think that without a challenge, like without it really pushing your boundaries just a bit, you're not really improving. So I think once we're challenged, once, we, once we're faced with something that's just a little bit more difficult than what we may have seen last year or the year before, I think that's when like the real critical thinking really comes out and I think that's where we really develop the most. So, Martina, critical thinking to you, does that just mean you are a bit contrary and ask lots of questions and criticise, or what does critical thinking actually mean to you? Um, well, personally, I'm, I'm a why girl. I always ask the question why. Um, uh, I never really try to take things for face value. I think especially in our world today with fake news and everything, I think critical thinking to me is super important in asking those questions and working out the explanations and the evidence behind what we learn. And I think that deeper thinking, that critical thinking is how we overcome that. Well, that leads to an interesting point. So you're reading a novel that was written, you know, hundreds of years ago. It's old, it's set in a different time and a different era. But what you're suggesting, Martina, is that it's incredibly relevant for us today. So Fiona, what are your thoughts about that? Is is it relevant, um, the learning that came out of Jane Eyre for you? Yes, so within the task, like we were asked to extrapolate to modern day events as well. So that was sort of a theme throughout, I guess, our whole term of learning. So say for um, like Jane Eyre, um, like we talked a lot about her using her voice to like um, gain female agency. I think, you know, you can compare that sort of to like 
the platforms we see today, like the Me Too movement and, um, you know, Greta Thunberg, um, you know, she like her voice is her main instrument in achieving like what she believes in. So lots of contemporary references. And did reading Jane Eyre help you make sense of your own world, would you say? Well, I think like with that, um, Bronte's like literary devices, you could like unpack them and then they wouldn't just have one meaning, they would have multiple perspectives. So you could, you might read it and take it as a positive. You could see Jane like being enabled, like say when Rochester bought her all these gifts, you could think that's her agency. She has the choice, she has the opportunity to have all of these things, but really you could look at it a different way and you could say, well, that's him forcing these conventions onto Jane. So I think that's where the critical thinking really comes into play when you can really not just take one explanation, but like dig deeper to see if there's maybe the flip side or um, other explanations for a certain scene. Now, both of you, Fiona and Martina, you have both spoken quite a bit about agency. So what, what does that concept mean to you in a modern world? Well, I guess female agency is probably just the ability to like make decisions for yourself in like all aspects of life and just being able to, I think it's also a bit about, I mean, I know people say like authenticity, you know, is that really a thing? But um, staying true to yourself, I think, and like achieving what you want. Um, Yeah, so it's a lot about, I think, decision making and like being able to make decisions for yourself. And tied to that choice, you have both also touched on the idea of voice and finding voice. How does Jane find her voice? Well, I think Jane as a character is really passionate and she's very fiery. So in the beginning, we see that she isn't able to control that passion and she really like lets loose. Um, But I think she learns that speaking up for herself in some situations is beneficial to her, but in other situations she gets chastised, like for example in school or back at her time um, at home in Gateshead. Um, But I think she learns over, like through her love life especially, that um, she's kind of tailored using her voice to her benefit. And using her voice, Jane has been able to then make her decisions and then in the end, come out with the life that she thinks she deserved and I think that was really important. So Joe, we've heard from the girls a little about what they got out of Jane Eyre but what, what, what would you say you're finding that the girls in your classrooms are taking from this novel today? What sort of conclusions have you found that they're drawing and perhaps what kinds of conversations are being sparked in your classroom? Mm, well as we, we talked about it, it is a, a text that's, that speaks to us today and although it's a gothic text and it's dark, it's really a story of hope. And that's part of the excitement, I think, of reading a text like this, because the girls can look to Jane as, a, as an example of passion and commitment and confidence and, and desire and interest. And so part of those things have been conversations then around some of the challenges that Jane faces and whether they're relevant to women today. Um, you know, do women today face similar challenges? How do they respond? And so part of that is to be reading outside of the text. We're looking at lots of articles that draw on those comparisons between Jane and, uh, and other women we've looked at Greta Thunberg and Elizabeth Warren and Julia Gillard and Jacinda Ardern and we've even taken it local looking at women like uh, grammar women like Gwen Harwood and Professor Dorothy Hill and Dr Claire Fotheringham and looking at women that chart their own course and and the challenges that that sometimes women face that maybe their their male counterparts don't and so those conversations have been really energizing and so the girls we hope take that hope into their own futures when they walk 
beyond the picket fence and, and see that, that actually they're capable of making a difference. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? It really I can is. see why you love being an English teacher. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, walking past the girls at lunchtime, when they're analysing and scrutinising their Jane Eyre and they're kind of wrestling with it and um, they're, they're having some really hearty conversations, which are incredibly important, obviously. Um, another concept, though, that you talk about um, at length, actually, in your article is Harvard's Ron Richard has a, the concept of um, messy work in the classroom and, and how as teachers we need to sometimes fight that urge to lead students up a path to a preconceived answer. Could you tell us a little bit about how this works practically in your classrooms? Mm, sure. It's, it's something that we really value. I think it starts with us as the English faculty. So Jane Eyre has been, you know, as we said, it's coming up for 200 years. But how we teach it today is different from how we might have taught it 50 years ago or how we will teach it in five years' time. So part of that conversation starts with us wrestling with the text ourselves, grappling with its ideas, looking at its relevance, deciding what's going to be most useful this year and this time and in this particular moment. So we do the messy work as well. So we think that translates into the classroom. The girls know that we don't come with all of the answers because if there was an answer to Jane Eyre, we'd just download it and give it to them. So part of that conversation is being really deeply engaged with testing the ideas and testing our own thinking as we as we work with it. Um, the girls are quite comfortable with that. Sometimes girls would like to know the real answer, mm. but they know there's no value in that ultimately because it doesn't give voice to them. And so part of that in, it encourages their confidence and their curiosity because their own voices are valuable because the text means something to each of us in different ways. So for us, that messy work then is validated in their assessment because they choose their own focus points, they choose their own evidence, they come up with their own puzzles that they want to explore in their assessments. So what ultimately is messy work in the front end pays off in the back end. And I can tell you, talking to those girls yesterday, particularly Fiona and Martina, the challenge of it was part of the great satisfaction that mm. comes out of coming to those conclusions and being very uncomfortable uh, that they've experienced. But but if, if we think about um, you and your teachers and the English faculty, you're, you're balancing this messiness, which, as you suggest, is actually quite time-consuming, this deep thinking, it's hard, um, you have to wrestle with it. But in a faculty like English, you're balancing that with, of course, the pressures of modern secondary schooling. You know, the example that we think of is how does this knowledge and practical interpretation and writing skills that are required for external exams develop? So how do you keep that passion and messiness and also keep your eye very firmly on some pretty um, practical considerations? That's a really good question because we don't really see them as competing priorities. Um, Of course we work on the skills of writing and structure and things like that but they're also about exploration because there's always a better way to write something. There's always a different way to structure it. There might be a more interesting connection that you can make. So we're not big on rules about saying this is exactly the way to write an essay although we will have some conventions that will allow the girls to work in a way. So in a way, that's also messy work. The thinking around structure is messy work as well. And then, of course, the messy work of the deep thinking, the the questioning and the interrogation is what we need the girls to prepare for the unknown because what could be more unknown than an external exam? So if we tell our girls the answer to Jane Eyre is this and the question doesn't ask that, then we're not really in a good position. So we want the girls to test their thinking, to, to... deepen it, to expand it, to explore it in lots of different ways. And one of the things that we've tried to do this year is that, that as you know, we're, we're focused on um, cultures of thinking and Harvard Project Zero. But um, Shari Tishman um, has 
written a book and one of the things she's talking about is slow looking and so we're trying to do that at the moment particularly in this this time of remote learning as well and one of the things she says is that it's like a museum activity patient immersive attention will allow for better meaning making and critical thinking and we think that's a wonderful goal in this sort of busyness and craziness that we we quite often find ourselves in that time to sit and talk to a text it talks back to us we talk to it so that deep thinking which is a little bit messy ultimately sets the girls up with a much deeper and and broader understanding than they might have if we just looked at it in one particular way Fascinating stuff, Joe. So to conclude our conversation, I think um, many of our listeners would be uh, very interested to know what's on your current reading list or either, you know, what you're reading at the moment or what you've read recently that you would recommend to all of us. As a teacher, during the term, I'm usually reading the books that I teach, but I did take some time over the holidays to read The Weekend by Charlotte Wood, an Australian writer. It's a a story of four um, women in their 60s and 70s set in Sydney, and it's a a wonderful story of female friendship and challenge and excitement and life. And um, I loved it so much. The voices were really resonant. The writing was exquisite that I've already written a unit around it for the next narrative task that was wonderful. Um, The other thing, though, that as soon as I get a minute, I'm really desperate to read Phosphorescence by Dr. Julia Baird that's just been released this week. And I read the extract. It was called The Getting of Wisdom, A Letter to My Daughter. And it just moved me to tears. She had this, it's a set of advice, but the the big line that I thought was powerful, and I've built it into the Jane Eyre unit for next year, is that she says, know that being a woman is magnificent. And I just think, that's wonderful. So that's going to be my treat. As soon as I get time, that's my treat. That is a beautiful end line, Joe. So to conclude, I'd just like to say thank you so much for sharing with us your love of literature, your excitement in being a classroom teacher. And of course, um, thank you for the important work that you do in helping young people make meaning uh, in this very complex world. Thank you. It's my pleasure and it's a joy. Thank you. have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. Music was written and performed by Year 12 student Lily Lau Coombs. To learn more about our school, visit our website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.